Hello, everyone, and welcome to Call Your Hits, a Stormriders Airsoft podcast. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Today, we've got Jordan in the studio with us again. Um, Jordan reached out to me because very recently, he and his team had the chance to go out and play some Airsoft in a way that you guys hadn't done before, and I thought it was really interesting. So here he is to give us the the lowdown on how that went. Um, From just our our previous conversations just leading up to the podcast, um, you were saying that your team traveled for the weekend to a nearby state. Uh, Rhode Island is what uh, what we were talking about, and uh, you basically played CQB for the the whole weekend. Is that pretty much that pretty much summed it up? That is that is definitely what happened. So um, one of my friends, or well, they're all my friends, but one of my teammates, Jeff, uh, he lives close by, not really close by, but closest out of all of us to a couple of indoor fields that are in the Rhode Island area, um, and us being from New Hampshire. And you know, almost Vermont for some of us, it's a bit of a drive. Uh, I know for me, it's almost two hours to get to Rhode Island, which is not horrible. Um, I'll drive like an hour and a half, two hours for a good field, but only really if I know that somebody's going to be there. I'm not really just going to drive two hours by myself. But I, mm-hmm. nevertheless, I had not, I had not gone to an indoor CQB field yet. So we hadn't done a uh, a real event since like November. And Jeff had been saying, well, you know, maybe we should find a weekend. We can rent out an Airbnb and then we can just have, you know, just a squad weekend where we go down and try out some indoor. And he is the only one that has played indoor airsoft out of all of us. So it was a new thing. So this was your very, very first time playing indoor airsoft? My first time ever playing indoor airsoft. And you just um, not decided my... to do that for the whole weekend. <laughs> yeah, for the whole week. So... We rented out the Airbnb, so obviously we were just going to be hanging out and stuff. And we got up there. Our plan was to get up there the Friday night before we played. So we got up there Friday night, and then we played Saturday pretty much all day. We played from like 11 or like 12 till like 7 at night. And uh, I'll go into detail about like how that was. And then we got home, and then we you know took a break and stuff like that. Then we woke up the next day, and we wanted to try a second field that was nearby that was opened recently, like within the past two months, that was also indoor. But we said, well, we're down in Rhode Island, so how many times are we all going to be down here together? So we might as well mm-hmm. go try out this other field and see how it was. Um, but our first night there, um, you know, referencing what you said about you guys just were going to play CQB the whole time without ever doing it before, like... Yeah, that that is exactly what we were going to do. The Friday night we got up, our plan was to just take a bunch of our guns that we needed to work on and tech them. So our Friday night was like a big tech session. Jeff helped me figure out some soldering with my RPK, which is now back up and running. Well, almost up and running. It's being put together behind me in pieces right now, but that should be good to go. Um, I had some help with a couple muzzle devices. My friends were working on some of their HPA guns, and we were kind of just getting all of our guns set and ready to go. Uh, we like to do like tech sessions. Sometimes we'll even go to like a field, like our local field, and just hang out for the day, like set up a tent, and then just work on our stuff there. You know, it's just hanging out with the guys. We might not even play, but working on your guns, it's a lot more fun when you have somebody else there that you can complain to when the screw yeah. doesn't go back in the same way that it came out. So. That's why me and Pat work together all the time, mostly because he supervises me, but also because hanging out while and like being able to commiserate is, is a big deal. So 
coming back to like this wasn't any particular event at these fields like it was just you guys like showing up right so it was like not in a, an actual event event like it was not an official event it was actually one of our teammates birthdays last week his birthday was okay. on wednesday um so we actually were calling it operation birthday bash for a while <laughs> uh, it was kyle's it was kyle's birthday on wednesday so we were like hey well for his birthday weekend what did he want to do and he's like well can we I know we were talking about doing indoor. Can we do that for my birthday? Like, can we celebrate that? So that was kind of what it turned into. Just like uh, it was more of an excuse to get down mm -hmm. there because I think we were going to go no matter what. Um, but Kyle got to spend the weekend with four other guys in a house like on a little river. So that was pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, it was not an official event. It was one that we just like made up in our head to, you know, give us a reason to go down there. But it was really just us saying, yeah, let's. Let's go travel, play some airsoft, and uh, see what happens. So before we get into the, like the details of the the actual like games and stuff themselves, one thing I'm curious about is the actual travel itself. Like, did you all did you carpool? Did you like put all your gear in a big cube van? Like, because you showed me a picture of how much stuff you brought, and it was I mean, no surprise, but it was a lot of stuff, a lot of guns, a lot of like hardware and stuff. So did you just pack all that into a van? How did you manage that? Uh, so I drove up myself. Um, I, I'm pretty far away from Matt, Kyle, and Will. They are all somewhat together in like the northern New Hampshire area, close to like the Vermont side. So they all carpooled down. They were the furthest away. They had like a three and a half hour carpool. Um, and they all rode in Kyle's new truck that he just recently got. So the back of that truck was loaded, loaded <laughs> with stuff. Um, I had to load up my little Subaru that I have. Um, I recently got some gear totes, just like big plastic tubs, which are so useful. So, so useful for one, not having to wear my kit out to my car to put it in. Like, yeah, either, either I put all my vest and everything and like go out to my car and then take it off when I'm out there. Or now I can just carry all my stuff um, and then just bring it in in one trip. So just started doing that. So I had a, a tote, some pillows, you know, I brought two guns, one that I just got from a mystery box recently, which is a just a stock Sima Platinum M4 and my original M4 that I got, like my first gun ever, my Specna. And my whole goal was to just go down there and say, I'm just going to use the Specna the whole time. Um, I had just swapped out the spring because indoor limits are generally low compared to outdoors, even though these okay. ones were pretty similar. Um, that was like our main goal was just to make sure that we had working guns so granted we had way too many guns in those pictures that i sent you mm -hmm. um those guns either one got worked on and fixed so like we got one of our saws up and running which matt has been trying to do for a long time so now we have an actual other saw besides my my rpk lmg that we can use mm -hmm. um but also we just wanted to make sure that we didn't you know get stuck down there with like oh well now my guns aren't working uh, i don't want it now i have to use a rental work yeah. three hours away from home you know stuff like that we just wanted to enjoy it as best we could right so i mean and that's that's legit i mean we talk i remember talking to sam about like showing up to milsim game and like having multiple guns just because so that that makes total sense and like when you say the indoor limits are lower or i mean we're pretty comparable what, what are you talking about in terms of limits so the limits at the indoor fields were 350 with a 25 um okay. and it's that's pretty up there like it's yeah. just under it's just under 1.5 i think it's like you know like 1.35 or like 1.4 like it's still in like wow that that freaking hurts range when you get shot 
Um, yeah. It's not like it's not like it was at one jewel, which is kind of what I expected. I expected it to be three fifty with a two, um, but instead they were going with a two five. So uh, it was a lot more lenient than I expected. You know, there was definitely some like we definitely did not need that power. I personally, I was running my gun in one jewel uh, formation like the whole time. I threw in an M ninety spring into it, so it was shooting like pretty close to like 312 with a 25 in it like it was well under the limit and i was mm-hmm. totally happy with that there was no need to be shooting field limit especially with the <laughs> crowd of people that were there you know there was a lot of a lot of first time players a lot of people that came in to rent for the first time and um if i was just beaming these people with like max field limit bbs all day long i feel like it would turn a lot of people off so oh yeah um, that was a big thing so the field limits in general for indoor fields around me are at least like you know our our normal fields is like 1.64 to 1.89 that's like the normal rifleman limits typically with no med this field was you know i'm not totally sure on the jewels but 350 with a 25 i'm thinking it's around 1.4 ish jewels that it was at so significantly lower um the first field we went to had a five foot minimum engagement distance which in cqb kind of tough uh yeah. it's really tough actually a lot of times you take a corner and you expect somebody to be there and it's like well i guess i i can't shoot them you know and then you know either they're gonna not know you're there and you're gonna get shot because they're surprised or you're gonna call out safety which is what you have to do. safety kill you can't say bang bang there you can't say surrender it had to be safety kill um and if you said it and they shot you they were dead because you successfully saved to kill them. If you both said it at the same time, you were both dead. You had to walk back to base. And then if you shot them and they said safety or you shot them within five feet, then you were dead and you had to go back. So the first field, a little bit difficult to deal with um, with the safety kills. Second field, it was the same FPS limits, but no minimum engagement. So you could shoot anybody anywhere. And uh, that field... Not that it hurt a bunch, but sometimes taking those corners, you know, knowing that you can get shot from three inches away made you made you think twice about, you know, just blaring in there like normal. Yeah, I, I dare say I really like that idea of safety kill. I'm actually going to pitch it next time we're at our field because I think that's a really um, it's a really concise way for someone to understand the point of for us, the point of like bang, bang. Right. Because it's it's never been about. Uh, you know, like you said, like coming into the corner and just going like bang, bang, bang. Like that's never been the point. Like it's always been like, I'm saying bang, bang instead of shooting you because I don't want to shoot you because I don't want to hurt you. So I think the idea of if I say safety kill to you and you shoot me, you're dead. Like I, I like that idea a lot. And I think that um, I'll pitch that and see what the refs think. But anyways, coming back to your story, um, the last thing I just had in terms of the safety, was there any mandatory like face pro? Is that a thing? I mean, I know that you rock it anyway, but is that something they mandated? They did not. Lower face protection was not required. Um, it was heavily suggested. I will say that Kyle did not wear lower face protection, and he went the whole weekend without getting shot in the direct face. I don't My know man. how he did it. I don't know <laughs> how he did it. Um, it's actually funny. Uh, we jokingly called him Jesus at one point for his call sign, and it kind of stuck. And now, like, he was saying, well, you know, like, of course, Jesus is just not taking any shots to the face this weekend. It's just the power that I have. And uh, yeah. I thought that was freaking hilarious. But I just thought he was he was insane for going into a CQB field with no mouth protection. Yeah. And I mean, to be 
to be clear, like I, I'm going to be wearing face protection this year. I've never really worn face protection uh, when we play outdoors, but I would never go into a building without at least putting my Shima on top of my face or something. So like, whew, that's, did he wear like a mouth guard or anything or just, just nothing? Nothing. nothing. Wow. It was beard. Beard and mustache, and that's all he had. And and that's not where the Kyle shenanigans end either. The birthday boy uh, had the great idea of rocking his, like, literally three-foot-long M4. Like, it's actually, like, I'll have to show you the picture again, Phil, after this, but that gun is, like, longer than my wingspan. I noticed in that picture one of those guns was really long, and I was like, they must be tech in that. There's no way they're using that inside. No. But apparently I was once again incorrect. Yeah, you know, he used that. He used that gun um, for almost every single game in there. Um, and he did. He did great with it. I, I mean, my reasoning behind it is I was going to run my RPK like in a long configuration because I wanted to learn how to manipulate it in close quarters combat because that's something that I need to get better with. You know, I, I don't have a lot of that around me, so I wanted to be able to practice with it. Whether or not it was going to be good for CQB was not really on my mind. You know, I wanted I wanted the practice. Kyle had the same idea, but his gun was just significantly longer. And yeah. the look the look on everybody's face when he brought that thing in, because it's a CQB field. A lot of the people around there had not been to an outdoor field before. CQB is all they know. So when he walked in there, like when all of us walked in there, we're in like our full Milsim getup and stuff like that. And then Kyle has this like ungodly length m4 like yeah literally over three feet long um the people that were coming up to him you know the people that were chronoing his gun they're like you know this is a cqb field right like cqb you know that you shouldn't be using something like this <laughs> mind your business <laughs> yeah seriously um and he killed it he he had so much fun uh and he didn't complain about using that long gun like one time i just thought it was hilarious whenever i'd be like moving fast with him and it would be me and him and i'd be like come on let's go and we'd take a corner and i'd be like in my head like kyle's like rounding this corner with like a meter stick in his hand he's gonna knock somebody out just by clocking them in the head with his rail like (laughs) so what were the fields themselves like what was the layout like was it like an indoor facility or outdoor cqc like how how was that set up the field the first field that we went to both of them were actually indoor like fully indoor there's only been one field that i've been to that was a cqc outdoor field um which is also owned by the second field that we went to they're like it's just two different fields that they also own but both the fields that we went to one being extreme airsoft in rhode island and the second being advanced action sports in also rhode island uh they were both fully indoors one was in like a like an actual building building just like a regular you know structured building the second one was in what seemed to be like a repurposed mill building um, and we had like our field was like the full length of like one of the floors in the mill building. So it was like a, a football field long, um, but not super, super wide. So like some of the shots that you'd be trying to make were like, there's no way I'm hitting this. Like that's because it's like long, long hallways, like over 150 feet that you're trying to shoot with like point twos or two fives at like one jewel. Um, but there were then there were also some sections that were like just super super maze like it was you'd walk in and it'd be corner here corner to your left maybe a small window in front of you and then like a doggy door that you'd have to like get out of or something so um but both of the fields were indoors fully built with structures you know either through with wooden planks mostly at the second field and at extreme it was cars two levels you know like uh elevated buildings uh full-on saloons like 
different theme stuff, like really cool stuff in there. And is it um, like, was it multiple fields at the location? So like the location will be divided into like, I, I hate the term when you just use it for clarity, like maps in the field, or is it just the whole thing is, is in play all the time? At these two locations, it was the whole thing. The cool. whole thing was in play the whole time. Um, I think at Extreme, they sometimes do like speed QB tournaments where they'll rearrange the field. Everything on there is like uh, individual. So like they can they can move everything independent from each other so they can okay. rearrange the field like every month or however often they do it. Um, and in that case, when they did speed QB, I know they split the field in half and they only used like a tournament size section for it. Um, but in our case, for both fields, we played the entire field the whole time. There was no like, oh, we're only going to play on this half or we're only going to play on that map. It was all one room that we played in. Gotcha. And what were the what were the games like? Is it like a variety of games like objective based team like team deathmatch? Like how does how does that work overall? Uh, I mean, I'm assuming it's similar to outdoors, just indoors. Yeah, so we warmed up with some TDM uh, stuff. We did some TDM. Both locations did TDM. Um, and then they both had their like versions of uh, capture mode. So at Extreme, we played a, a bomb mode. And we actually had these little bracelets. I actually bought one myself. It's, a, it's called a Skirmesh bracelet. And uh, what you do with that is you would go up to an RFID reader like a box on the wall, and it would scan you. So when you went to go respawn, you'd hold up your wrist. It would scan you until it like fully turns green, like the bar will go across, and then you're good to go, like you've respawned. Um, but objectives would also be using a wristband like that. So in one of the game modes we played at Extreme, it was a bomb uh, detonation mode. So we had to get to a location that was marked on the field, arm the bomb by putting our wrist up to the box for X amount of time until it armed, and then it had like five minutes to detonate or something like that. So then we'd have to defend that spot for five minutes, um, you know, to keep the other team away from disarming it by also putting their wrist up. So we played a team deathmatch over there. We played, um, I wouldn't say capture, like it, there wasn't like King of the Hill or anything. It was mostly team deathmatch, a couple bomb modes. Um, and then we had just some different variations on those. But the games were so fast and it's not like a, a mode where you can like really plan ahead like you can say like off the run off the gate you're gonna go this way but then as soon as that happens like the plan is out the window you know like mm -hmm. all the planning happens from spawn and like that's it you just then you just go into it um and it was like the same thing at advanced action sports so we played a bomb mode there it was actually cool they had an actual bomb bomb like that you could open up and then you had to type in like a couple of codes to get it to arm and then you had to disarm it i never saw it because it was like um it was just a defense mode for us, so like I never got to see the bomb. Uh, but it was mostly capture the flag for them, bomb modes, and then TDM. Right on. And like, how did you like it? So this was your first race. So understanding, of course, the first time you do anything, you're generally going to probably suck at it a little bit, if not a lot in, in my case at least. But how did, you, how did that compare for you? Because, I mean, you've been playing Airsoft now for almost a full year, having done exclusively outdoor, and now you get dumped into CQB. How was that for you? So I thought I was going to go in and just be absolute trash. Like, I thought I was just going to get, like, actually dogged on, like, have, <laughs> like, no kills at all, like, be totally lost tripping over myself and stuff. Um, but I, what I realized is that once I learned the layout of the field, um, I had a lot of ideas going into it, like, on what I think I should be doing during CQB. And a lot of the stuff that I do outdoors um, be, you know, using cover and moving cover to cover fast, it's a lot more important 
in CQB because when you get stuck in cover in CQB, you are really stuck. Like you can't mm. go anywhere. And it was all about being aggressive and moving. So I actually, I was very impressed with how we were doing. And I was super impressed with um, my team and how we were all moving together. We were just, you know, we would stack up on each other if we needed to. We'd just be like, all right, tap one on the shoulder. And then we would just go. And we just know where we were going, what we were supposed to do. It was very natural and free flowing and actually super cool. Like I was not expecting the cohesion that we had. We just we knew where we wanted to go. We knew where we were supposed to look. And we did all this just because we've been playing with each other for a while. But it translated super well into CQB. Um, so I, I did suck when I first started, I definitely got nailed a couple of times and I'm like, wow. <laughs> but then there was a, a couple, like a moment where I realized like, this is just like outdoor. It's just closer. I, you know, it's peaking the same types of angles. You know, you're shooting the same types of distances, like within reason, like you're not always engaging at super long range outdoors. So it was not as different as I thought besides it was always like full blown, like balls to the wall, like going as fast as you can. Like mm -hmm. everything about that was nonstop. And the way that Jeff described it to me um, before we went to go play, he's like, Jordan, this is going to be like you're playing Airsoft for the first time all over again. You're going to have like that same excitement that you had when you first stepped onto the field because it's totally different. You know, you don't have time to think about what my next move is going to be. You just have to do it. And um, I think I want to go back and play at these indoor fields a lot more. Um when there will be like bad weather around me or something like that, maybe I'll take a trip down to Rhode Island and play for the day. It is definitely a good learning zone for everybody. I feel like if you're going to do anything that involves CQB, even in outdoor fields. So you talked about um, the, the, the movement and the aggressiveness and stuff like that. What do you think is probably the most important skill that you had from your just regular play experience outdoors that carried over? That was the most important for you. And your, I guess, your success and your enjoyment, perhaps even during the day. Communication. Communication yeah. was enormous in those games. Um, you can ask any of the guys on my team. Uh, I definitely had um, almost no voice at the end of this weekend because I was always yelling. I was always calling out what was going on, where I was moving, when I was moving, you know, when I needed fire or when I needed covering fire, stuff like that. And, um, it's community for me this weekend. It was definitely communication. And second to that, it was not getting stuck. It was constantly moving, picking a zone and just going for it. Um, a thing that I think a lot of people don't do at outdoor fields and a reason why people get stuck behind cover is sometimes your respawn is like a quarter mile away, maybe uphill or through some like crappy terrain at these indoor fields. The, the respawn was like 50 feet away like a hundred feet of a walk back. So if you died, if you made a stupid move and you died for it, whatever, you take a short jog back to respawn and you're back in like a minute. And it's mm -hmm. like, you're, you know, you're back into the same situation. So I think a lot of it for me this weekend was just knowing that if I'm going to get better at this, I need to see what works. And there's not really a huge penalty for me right now to die. You know, we're, we're trying to get this position. If I die, I can get right back and we'll be right back in the game. So for me, communication and being aggressive with your movement, the two biggest things that I found myself with success this weekend. And how did you adapt to like going from a place where you're, you're outdoors, where you're planning sort of more, let's say strategically, right? So you're thinking about not just like this next 
20 feet or whatever, you're thinking about, okay, well, we need to go here so we can go here, get this objective and attack this flanker or whatever. How did you adapt as a team and perhaps even individually to going from that to like, you can't even think about the next three moves because you might not even get there, right? I think we all pretty much had the same idea of like what that adaptation should be. Um, we kind of went into it with the same idea of um, we need to get on point. Like this is where we need to be right now. We wanted to always be useful. And we found the same thing that happens at outdoor fields, you know, that you've talked about before with like newer players or players that don't know what's going on, staying way back and like not being on the front lines because they don't really know what's going on. There was plenty of times where my team would off the gate, get to like the position where we needed to be and we would die and we'd look back and there were people like towards our spawn holding angles on positions that we were walking through that we knew were clear because we were totally gone. Uh, we had, you know, we had already gone through it. Um, I think the way that we adapted the most there was we we kind of just took our our decision making. Uh, we we cranked it up a little bit. We made those decisions faster. Um but we also just when somebody called out something, we just went, you know, we we didn't have time to think about it. If it was even slightly a good idea, you know, and we called it out, we were going. So if I was like, Kyle, I'm crossing, I'm going now. And he's like going. And I just went and I was just mm -hmm. gone. Um, or if I said, guys, let's push up left side. You know, we, we have to go through now. They just said, OK, on you. And we just all went like just as fast as we could. And we found that if you pour enough people through an area somebody's going to get through. And if yeah. that person gets through, you know, at least one person's going to get through. And if that one person gets through and, you know, one other person does, or they get out, they can hold that spot and they can get you back in when you get up there. Yeah. So for us, it was a lot about just being explosive out there. Um, you know, saying, let's go take this hallway. Let's go lock down this zone. And once we just cross, sometimes we were in the, the deepest shit that I've ever seen out there, just taking fire from like all angles. But we got into where we needed to be. So now they had to come to us. And mm -hmm. um, I feel like that aggression that we learned, that we adapted from our outdoor aggression, is going to super pay off in the long run. Because I feel like we learned a lot about what we can do, um, as opposed to what we thought we could have done when we didn't have the chance to try it. The other thing that I'm curious about, and I mean, again, this is, uh, you mentioned it, like, you know, you guys are showing up dressed all Milson like to this CQB field. How did the other players, like the, let's call them the regulars, how did they respond to seeing you guys there? I don't think we got a lot of, like, negativity towards us. I think, if anything, it was more like people looking at us and me specifically and being like, why the hell does this guy have scrim, <laughs> like leafy scrim on? And I have a big scrim on my helmet. Like, why the hell mm -hmm. does this guy have scrim on his helmet? Like at a CQB field, you know, I, I we didn't really get any negative reactions. Actually, a, like the majority of our interactions were people coming up to us and asking about our gear, asking about like, oh, well, where do you guys normally play? Like, because they, they're just not used to seeing, I'm sure they have other Milsom people go there, but Kyle with his three foot long M4 was like a celebrity when he walked in there. He had, <laughs> he had, he was on the field and somebody would be like, oh my God. And he would just unhook it from himself and be like, here, and he just like hand it to somebody and they'd just be like, oh my God, like little kids, the gun is taller than they'd be holding yeah. onto it. And, um, we didn't have like people coming up to us and being like, whoa, what are you guys doing here? Or anybody coming up to us and giving us issues. Yeah. Um, it was 
I mean, it was airsoft for the most part. Everybody was super, super nice. We had people coming up to us, talking to us. I remember a kid walked by me. Um, and for reference, I was wearing like I had mixed up my camo. So I was wearing my M81 top with some multicam arid pants, you know, the, the green and tan combo. And then I had my my Tasmanian Tiger chest rig on. So I was wearing my full Milsim stuff, stuff that I would wear to any Milsim. And this kid walked by me and he just stopped and turned around and he's like, you look so cool. And I was like, thanks, dude. And Jeff's like, no, man, he was talking to me. And I'm like, Jeff, he was looking me in the eyes. <laughs> you, can't, you can't take this from me, Jeff. Um, yeah. But for the most part, it was very, very good interactions. I think people were more surprised to see people, you know, a group of people that showed up like that than they were like, what are these people doing under a field type of thing? Yeah. And I mean, I didn't really expect you to get like negative reviews, but I could definitely see like the, the raised eyebrow, like, huh? Like, why yeah. are these guys... Why are these guys here? Um, but yeah, it's so yeah, a lot of kids at this field too. There were definitely a bit of a younger crowd. Um, the more of the younger crowd was Saturday during the day. Once Saturday night happened, we got a couple of teams that came in that looked like they were like legitimate, like speakyB teams or people that, you know, looked like they had their stuff together. Um, but for the majority of it, it was like the regular airsoft field. You had people that were older, like in their 40s that were playing in their 50s. Sometimes we had the younger crowd like the very, very young crowd, like middle school and stuff, like 12-year-old kids. Um, and then we had a lot of people that were like late teens into their 20s, early 30s playing. So it was like your regular your regular crowd of people just wearing different stuff. You know, lots of paintball masks, lots of the color black. Everybody's wearing black in there because you're indoors, so it doesn't matter as much. Um, yeah. And it, it, was, uh, it was weird. It was weird being like the outcast a little bit because normally when we're at our fields and you see somebody that is like a what you would call like a speed softer or somebody that plays speed could be into our fields all the time come in it normally they stick out because they're wearing like all the dark colors or they're wearing flashy colors and stuff like that and they're freaking running through the field at a million miles an hour um, mm -hmm. but in here it was that was the crowd you know there was that was the norm here so you mentioned uh off the hop you were talking about how one of the things you wanted to work on uh, and the reasons that you were doing this was you wanted to work on your RPK and maneuverability. And so how did that work out for you in terms of your objectives uh, for that? So I didn't get to um, actually use my RPK this weekend. I didn't oh. bring, yeah, I didn't bring the body. Uh, I only brought the gearbox to have that fixed up. Uh, so I ended up just using my M4, um, which is was in the same configuration that it was previous. So I still did get to use a gun that I'd used for, you know, Milsims outside, mm -hmm. but it, it is a shorter gun. It's like a short barrel, like 10 inch, you know, very, very short gun. I didn't get a chance to maneuver with a big gun. I would have used Kyle's gun if I felt like I wanted to torture myself for an extended <laughs> period of time. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't really have to deal with a longer gun, which at some point I will. I would definitely want to get a longer gun or something in a longer formation and learn how to maneuver with it down there. It's interesting what you say about how like CQB being a, a good learning experience because everything is cranked up basically to 11 and so any small mistake that you make could be the really be the mistake that costs you you know getting hit on the field and you learn that lesson immediately but then you go back to respawn you come right back if you know assuming you're playing that type of game or whatever mm -hmm. but that gives you the opportunity to get make a lot of mistakes and learn a lot of lessons in a very short amount of time right yes and that's actually a, a point that uh jeff had brought up to me he said you know normally you'll play outdoors and maybe you'll have like one or two experiences where you're like, wow, I've really made a good play. Like, 
and that maybe happens like once in like the four hours or five hours that you're playing the CQB field you're doing that like every round there's something new and cool that's happening like there's so many different things that you get to try that you wouldn't Mm -hmm. be able to at a longer game or an outdoor game um and very much to your point it was very you make the decision if it worked or it didn't you learned and then you were right back into the situation again either it worked and you were now pushed up really far where you wanted to be or you got destroyed and now you're walking back to base but you're right back um it was a lot of instant either gratification or like disappointment like yeah i knew that wasn't gonna work or wow i really shouldn't have done this um it was really really cool for that training aspect because it's like well maybe i should take this corner this way well didn't work 30 seconds ago maybe i should try (laughs) it now this way you know it was awesome i got so many reps in for everything and it didn't hurt that the game time you know 15 minute game times but when you got out they started a timer on like a screen that had a countdown for loading up and if you weren't ready at that countdown like by the end of the countdown it was like seven minutes when you came off the field you sat out for the next round you you didn't play so it was like for the four hour sessions that we played we played almost two of them but for the four hour sessions we played it was like game after game after game after game it was we got so many games in like we played for probably three out of the four hours that we were you know, their procession, which is a lot more than you'd get from a normal field where you sit out for 15, 20 minutes every single game. Yeah. So I, I want to talk about the physicality in a second, but you mentioned that it didn't hurt that they had a timer. What did hurt? Let's talk about hurt for a second, because you mentioned the, the velocity limits and you mentioned, you know, the face pro or if you're your buddy Kyle not wearing face pro because you're crazy, whatever it is. Um, Let's talk about the hurt and let's talk about the fear that's associated with that, like the fear of getting hit. How did how did that play out in your mind? Because I know for me, when I'm going into CQB, I'm always concerned about taking a close hit. Um, and if I have people with me that are pushing me, then I'm fine to go. But when I'm just by myself or if I'm not sure, sometimes I'm like, I'm, I don't like the feeling of that. I don't want to get shot. To- how did that play out in your mind, understanding that you were doing this a million times in two days? Uh, very much like the first game that you play of an airsoft day um once you get over that first like hit it that pain that fear kind of just goes away of like wow i'm gonna get hit at some point it just goes away i mean for cqb you get a lot more chances to get hit um a lot quicker and a lot closer but the the fear of the pain while it was there at the very beginning it kind of went away because i realized that if i wanted to do anything it was a chance of getting shot. Um, and I'm not saying that I didn't get shot and it didn't freaking hurt. Cause, uh, <laughs> I showed my guys my back when I got home from the first day and, um, I, I'm wearing a chest rig, so nothing on my back. I wasn't wearing like a backpack or anything like that. And somebody from like eight feet away, just like totally lit up my back. There was like six shots that were, that had like welted and bruised to like the size of paintballs. Like I had gotten shot and I was like, Holy crap, man. I really, they really got me good with this one. Um, and it sucked. I remember getting shot. I was like, shit, that can hurt. And I walked back to base. And after like that 15 seconds of a walk, I was good to go. And, you know, it, it didn't bother me. But in the moment, yeah, it sucked. It was like somebody took like six rubber bands to <laughs> full extension and just let yeah. them go on my back. But um, <clears throat> the pain in general of the weekend, uh, I wouldn't say it was like really any worse than going and playing at a normal field yeah you might get shot more frequently but the pain level like if you're feeling a pain level at the outdoor field you're probably feeling the same pain level at the indoor field it's just 
maybe a bit more frequently. Not anything to deter me from going back again and wearing mm-hmm. the same stuff that I wore. I'm like, I'm not going to go back and be like, I got to wear a full plate carrier and arm covers and stuff like that. Um, the pain really for me came from instead of running on grass and soft ground for the whole day, running on hard cement and having yeah. to deal with running on a hard surface the whole time. My legs and my feet are still super, super sore from having to. It was just such high impact and hard impact on a not forgiving ground that I was not used to at all. Not to mention high intensity, like you're saying, like you're going back to the safe zone, you get seven minutes, you go back out or whatever. Uh, if you're if you're playing a regular outdoor game and it's like 15 minutes between rounds and you can sit down, have a bit of water, rest your feet, etc. But if you're just going go, go, go for six hours or seven hours, like basically a full work day on your feet. And I mean, what were you wearing on your feet? Were you wearing your Moabs? Yep, I was. I actually just got um, new Moabs because the ones that I got, um, since I'm super hard on them, they recently started not being super waterproof around the creases of my uh, of my feet, like my toes. Mm-hmm. So um, I got new Moabs, literally the same ones, literally the exact same ones. Yeah. Um, I, I bought a bunch of different pairs of shoes, and I know I posted some to you guys in the Discord about like different hiking boots that I was trying out. And um, they, none of them felt like I wanted them to. They didn't feel like they were going to break in and feel comfortable for me. So I just said, screw it. I'm going to go back to Moabs again. You know, it sucks that I have to buy them again and under a year, but I knew they were comfortable and I knew that they worked for me. Um, Mm -hmm. So this weekend was like my first time of breaking them in. And I was walking with them, you know, for a couple weeks before, but nothing high intensity. I haven't played airsoft with them yet. And I really, really got like a good workout in them um, Saturday and Sunday. Now they're feeling pretty freaking comfortable to me. Um, I was going to say they're definitely broken in now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and people say that you really don't have to break in Merrill's, but I take my old Merrill's that I have and I take my new Merrill's and there is a zero comparison in the way like they do not feel similar at all. Yeah. Like my old Merrill's feel like nothing. Like they just fit me perfectly and they're super comfy. It's like I'm not even wearing shoes and the new ones. It feels like I'm wearing boots again. So I have to break those in the same way that I did last time, which is apparently just doing stupid shit and being really hard on them when I'm playing Mm -hmm. airsoft. Um, But yeah, so I wore those and I know Jeff had told me like, well, you should probably just wear sneakers because your hiking boots might like slip around on the cement and stuff like that. And the only issue I had with them is since the treads are so huge, I was like ice skating out there after I stepped on a bunch of BBs because they would get stuck in the treads of my shoe. And I'd have like, eight or nine of them like on my heel and I'd be walking around sounding like I'm wearing freaking tap shoes because I just have these pieces of plastic on the bottom. But other than that, they were great. You know, I, I I think my feet would have hurt wearing any shoes for that amount of time doing what I was doing. Um, But the, the Moabs, they worked great for me. Yeah. And I, you know, there's, there's a lot to be said about how, and we've talked about it before, but like having proper footwear is super important, right? And I can't speak to, you know, running around CQB on a CQB field, um, you know, in my, in my boots, like I have Moabs too, but I think if I, if I were to do the same thing in my old, like Blackhawk, uh, tactical boots, like military boots, you know, like that would have been just absolutely brutal. Right. They don't have the kind of support that you have from these sort of hikers and stuff. And even like if you're wearing like, I mean, some people play in like beat up like skate shoes or whatever. I'm sure that's fine for CQB. I don't really know. But like 
if you're going to do something for seven hours twice and twice in a row, that's that intensity where you're sweating and stuff like that. Like I can't even imagine. And I mean, that's only your feet. Like there's all the rest of your protective equipment that goes along with it, like knee pads and stuff like that too. Like taking a knee on concrete over and over and over. Although I don't know how much you take a knee in CQC, but I expect at least a little bit, right? Oh yeah. I was taking a knee all the time. It was very similar to when I was outdoors. It was Mostly when I needed to be in a cover that was low enough that I had to be crouched. Um, but a lot of times, you know, I, I realized that peaking high and then peaking low, it's the same thing as outdoors. If it works outdoors, it's going to work pretty similarly in CQB. So I peaked that one angle up high and I was getting pre-fired there. I just peaked down low and they weren't expecting it. And sometimes you'd get the kill. Um, so I was going down on a knee all the time because there was so much cover. There was little mazes like paintball, you know, I mean, you played paintball before, you know, like the snakes where you'd yeah. have to like stay crouched or almost prone. You weren't allowed to go prone at this field. They, you could only crouch because I'm assuming because they don't want people to get trampled in the dark because it was uh, pretty dark in there. Um, but there was a lot of cover that you had to be crouched or almost fully crouched to be fully covered in. And uh, I was down on a knee all the time when I needed to be in those. There was a lot of standing because there was a lot of good stand up cover and you had to be fast. But yeah, knee pads. I had my built-in knee pads on my uh, my Emerson combat pants. Those things work great. Um, it's really hard for me to want to use anything else other than built-in knee pad pants uh, after using them. And uh, I still heavily recommend them to everybody, even if you're just playing outdoors, because you never know when you're going to take a fall or you're going to need to take a knee and there's going to be a stupid sharp rock or sharp twig pointing straight up at you and you're going to yeah. go right into it. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to talk about, like yourself, um, that we haven't covered already? I mean, we didn't really do much else. I, could, I guess I could talk about Advanced, the other field that I went to, um, the experience that we had there. Um, really only had, we, we didn't play as much there because it was the second day. We were super, super tired. Um, we just played like literally almost seven hours of games the day prior. Um, and it was, you know, we knew we had a long drive home ahead of us after this, but we still wanted to try out a separate field. So this First was on Sun. This was on Sunday, right? Yes. For, this was on Sunday. So, um, our Airbnb checkout was at 11. So we had to make sure all the, the house was cleaned up and we had all of our gear and stuff like that. Um, and this field was actually like 15 minutes away from our Airbnb. The other one was, you know, slightly over a half hour. So a bit longer drive, um, but really close on Sunday. And we got there and I had my gear tote and everything like that. And we pulled up and it was a mill building. And I looked at Jeff with my tote and my gun bag in my hands and my backpack on my back with like my water in it. And I said, Jeff, what's the, what are the chances that this building that are fielded on the first floor, right? Like what are, what are the odds that we're going to walk in there and the field's going to be right there? Like, nope, the field is on the fifth floor up like four flights of stairs. And there I am with at least 50 or 60 pounds of stuff on me and i'm like all right here we go <laughs> and i just had to carry all my stuff up the stairs um it was brutal it was super brutal it made me uh really think like wow i have too much shit <laughs> yeah really hey that's a rookie move and you hate to see it yep i had i had way too much stuff um and it was mostly because i had packed all my stuff already to leave like it yeah. was all the stuff that I had in my car and I, I, I don't know about you, but I hate packing and then unpacking and then repacking and then doing it over and over and over again. So I had most of my stuff like packed like on me. Um, but an enough about that. The field itself was much newer. Um, it was a lot more lit 
there were a lot like windows, like the whole thing was lined with windows because it's an old mill building. So a lot of the side corridors were super bright. Tracers didn't work as well in there, um, as opposed to the other field where it was like black light there and a lot of dark stuff. So like tracers were were king. You knew always knew where you were shooting and flashlights were super good. Um, this field was almost like I, I guess people call it like Japanese spec in, in Japan. I guess a lot of times they play with fields that are symmetrical on both sides and that's kind of like what this field was it was built the same way on both sides so that both teams would have an even footing on what they were doing um and this one was like i said it was pretty new uh i i really don't have any complaints about the field i think it was hard to compare the two because extreme has been around for so long and they have built up their field to be this magical place with lots of lights and loud music and stuff like that this field has a lot of potential the owners are great and uh, I love chatting with them. Um, only issue I had was some guy uh, got super upset at me because he thought I wasn't calling my hits. And it was like the first time that anybody said anything to me that day, like that I was playing against. And he just like freaked out, like absolutely freaked out. Oof. And um, I was like what i was like what's going on like for most of the time you hear people making comments or stuff and you're like oh it's getting worse something like that but this guy like he was holding a corner and i peeked out super wide and i just i peeked out super wide and i was just moving and shooting because i i had to kill him if i didn't kill him we wouldn't get that point um and i shot him and then he called us hit and then he's like you're really not gonna call that are you freaking kidding me and then he's walking back yelling they have a cameraman that they actually hired on the field like the field owners they they contracted him for like six months to like record and take pictures every single game that they play, which mm -hmm. I'm super excited for waiting for those pictures. I'll post them all when I get them. Um, but the guy walked by the cameraman and then he's like, look at this freaking cheater. Turn and record that guy so everybody knows who he is. And there I am sitting there like, like, what's going on? Talk about man? me? Like, <laughs> yeah, like, that's me. Like, I'm cheating. And then the field owner came over to me um, who's named Ian. And he was like, so what happened? And I'm like, He's, he thinks he shot me, and he's like, well, did you get shot? And I'm like, I did not feel anything. If he did shoot me, I did not feel a single thing. And he's like, all right, well, you know, just go back to base. It's easier for this situation if we just do that. And then I was really, really salty about that just because I, even if I thought people were cheating before, I would never, ever, ever freak out like that and start yelling yeah. at somebody like that to call their hits, making a scene, especially when it was the first time first time that i heard anybody say anything that day about like being negative and calling hits um i actually was super super salty about that and i was like looking at my guys after i'm like guys like if this guy thinks i'm a cheater like i represent just like everybody does we all represent each other so if this guy thinks that i'm cheating then he's going to think that all you guys are cheaters or you guys are playing with a cheater totally. i was super i was super bummed out about that um and that kind of actually kind of ruined my like a portion of my day at that field um it made me super upset and salty because i i try my very best all the time to be as honorable as i can with airsoft you know calling hits that i think might not have even been hits or like sometimes calling ricochets that might have been not a ricochet and totally. um it really just like it brought me from like way up here where i was like super happy like oh yeah we're playing airsoft this is awesome to like wow somebody's super upset at me and i I really don't think I did anything wrong, you know? So it was just like a kind of like a kick to me that I was like, wow, dude, like this, this really sucks. Um, on top of that, somebody's 
lipo exploded. Not one of ours, but somebody had a lipo plugged in to a really crappy charger on the wall in the field, like in like the lobby. And mm-hmm. a couple minutes before, I heard like a hiss and like a, a like a pop sound, and I was like, I wonder what the hell that was. Like I thought it was like like a CO two like grenade or something or like some mag like just emptying some air and then next thing you know just this pop and then flames just went up on like two of these batteries on a wooden floor and i was like oh my god they ran over they got it with a a fire like a fire extinguisher real quick um but like there was just like two things that just like happened like i was sitting out because i was bummed out about that last game we just wanted to take a break um and then a lipo exploded and everybody's just like what do we do now like they sprayed it with fire extinguisher and fire extinguisher stuff just completely envelops the entire area that we're in so we had to go outside while it aired out and stuff like that um but i i I think i guess where i was going with this is um if people are ever on the field and uh you're you're thinking that somebody isn't calling their hit just you just got to remember that like you freaking out and being super upset about it might be more detrimental to everybody around you as opposed totally. to just making that guy feel like you know that he's cheating or whatever because that that seriously brought down myself which then brought down my team which then took a couple people out of the game because we were all just sitting around like talking about it and stuff like that and also i i, I had to i had to message the field owner afterwards and be like hey man like i i love the field you know we'd love to come back but like is that normal like because I didn't see anything happen after that, you know, like mm-hmm. I didn't see him go and talk to the guy. And he reassured me that he talked to the guy afterwards saying like, you know, that's not okay. You should never be calling somebody else's hits like that. Made me feel a lot better about the situation. Um, and I typically, I, I really don't care. Like I hear it all the time, but when it's directed towards me in such an, like with such animosity um, that it was like out of nowhere, like I had just like shit in this guy's cereal. And that was the only food he had for like the whole day. Like it made me feel absolutely terrible and kind of like embarrassed to be there with the guys um and i mean and you nailed it like this is why we and we talked about this on the discord a while ago and i mean to my great shame i mean i got frustrated on the field in the past many many years ago and was you know shouting people to call their hits and then at some point you know i recognized just that you're talking about now that you know what maybe they didn't feel it Right. Maybe they didn't notice it. Maybe whatever. Maybe Shane will tell us that, you know, they shouldn't be wearing play carriers to begin with. But that's a different conversation. (laughs) Um, But there's there's a very real possibility that I did hit the guy and he didn't realize it. And so in his mind, he's not cheating. But me accusing them of cheating now is going to ruin their whole day. It's going to make them feel like crap. It's going to make them feel like uh, people don't trust them anymore. And as you said, if they're on a team now, it's like guys like this reflects really poorly on you guys as well. And this is why now like our mentality is very much like if you have a problem with someone calling their hits, you talk to the ref and you let game controllers deal with it and you don't make it personal. Right. Because bottom line, I mean, I used a I was having all kinds of problems with my gun, you know, like two years ago. There's lots of times where I was shooting people over and over and over and over. And I was like, man, I got to be hitting this guy. Got to be hitting this guy. And you know what? It turns out I wasn't hitting because my gun wasn't running the, the way that I thought it was. But in my mind, I'm like my dots on the target and they're not calling it. This is B.S. Right. So you can't just be going, you know, you, you really can't just be going and accusing blanket statement, accusing people like that or uh, not even blanket statement, but like pointedly being like, dude, what the hell? Right. Um, yeah. It's just it, really not a good way to behave. 
it, it really, like I said, and I normally don't let stuff like this bother me, but normally it's not directed at me. I've had very few times where it actually has. And um, I think a point that you're making, and I think we talked about this on the Discord before, there's a difference between not feeling a hit and not knowing you have been hit and knowing that you've been hit and continuing to play. I don't yeah. think that either of them are the same. One of them is intentional cheating. The other one is not out of your control. If you didn't feel that hit or you legitimately did not notice it, you know, how, how would you call it? It's yeah, exactly. It's, how, exactly. How would you call that? Just, am I supposed to just know that, you know, that thing that I thought was an acorn that fell out of the tree and hit me on the shoulder was a really a, like a BB or that small tap that I felt when I was walking through the bushes was actually a shot. Like, absolutely not. I think the difference is when you're being intentional about it. Like I got hit, I'm going to keep playing or you keep going. Or maybe, you know, after you get through this adrenaline rush, you just got shot while you were running across. You didn't feel it at first. And now you feel it. And you're like, Oh, whatever. I got hit back then. So I'm going to keep going. Those are totally different things. And those are things that you can't really fault the person for if they legitimately did not feel it. I wouldn't call them a cheater. Like that, that is a, that's part of the game. That is absolutely part of the game. We're not shooting totally. real bullets at each other. They're not going to go through whatever they're wearing. So I, I, that was my only real gripe that I had with that field was I, how I felt the situation was handled. Um, and it did affect me. It definitely did bring me down a bit. Um, I know I talked to my team. I talked to my girlfriend about it and I was like, man, that really makes me feel like shit. It absolutely makes me feel like shit. Cause I don't want to, we're all there to have fun. We drove almost three hours down here. And if we really did that just to cheat, what kind of people would we be? Like, exactly. we're, we're all and, just here. Yeah, and we've taught, we said it before, like, if you feel that you need to cheat at a game of Toy Soldier, like, I don't know what to tell you, right? Like, I, I've t- had this conversation with Pat many times, like, talking about Warhammer as well. It's like people who cheat at, like, board games. Like, why? What exactly is at stake that is so important for you? Like, I mean, I just, I just don't, and I understand that, that some people are wired differently and whatever, but like, I just personally, I don't, I don't get it. And the, the, the worst part about it is, is that, you know, um, for this guy in particular, whatever happened to you, let's say he did hit you and you didn't feel it. That could easily have been him. Right. Mm -hmm. And if it were. Would he be going like, I'm, no, I'm not calling myself out. I'm going to magically call myself out because you say you hit me even though I didn't feel like? Of course not, right? It's just so foolish. And it just, at the end of the day, just really, it's too bad that it sort of sours your experience for a while because you're there to have fun. And that sort of like drama is not what any of us are, are really here for. I mean, I'm sure there's some weirdos who are here for the drama, but most of us, let's say, are not here for the airsoft drama. We're just here to have fun. And uh so yeah, but I'm glad to hear though that overall though you would call it a resounding success and you'll be going back to CQB. Yes, absolutely. Um I already have been talking to Jeff like I jokingly messaged Jeff the other night like so extreme soon? Like already planning on going back. It, it's closer for me than the rest of my team so I can justify going. Um mm-hmm. but absolutely I will be going back to CQB. It might not be as often as I'd like it to be. Um but that was a lot of fun. Um, I think everybody, if they have the chance around them to try a CQB field, whether or not you're a Milson player or, you know, just a regular casual player should try it. It's a totally different way to experience the game. Um, it gave me like a new fire that like I wanted to practice different things. Um, it gave me a lot of different insights into the different style and the different enjoyment that people get out of the game. Um, and overall, it just made me like Airsoft that much more. So I had a great time awesome. and I'll absolutely be going back at some point. CQB was awesome. 
Well, that's awesome. Well, Jordan, thanks so much for joining us and sharing that story. I really appreciate you taking the time. Guys, if you want to hear more about Jordan's exploits and maybe see pictures of the ridiculous arsenal that he and his team brought out to a two-day uh, event, uh, join us on the Discord. The link is in the description. We'd love to have you join the community. Um, but until then, that's all we got for you. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you next week.